Welcome to Mother Miriam Live on the Station of the Cross Catholic Radio Network with live video streaming brought to you by LifeSite News and the Station of the Cross. Call Mother with your questions at 1-877-511-5483 or email her at mother at thestationofthecross.com. You can view the live stream on Facebook at Mother Miriam Live. Now, here's Mother Miriam. Good morning, beloved family. How are you doing? I am here and I am live and I am thrilled to be with you. Um, We are uh, in the process of moving to our new property. It's going to be a couple of weeks. Um, And so I'm coming to you audio, not visual, which may happen, occur a number of times in these next couple of weeks. We're um, going to be setting up uh, an audio, a visual uh, internet uh, at our new property. Uh, there's no internet out there now, but we're going to be setting it up. So um, we'll be coming to you video and audio. And I'm so thrilled about that. And I, I, if anyone hasn't heard the news, because of over a thousand people, we were able to close on our new property. And we're absolutely thrilled about it. So it's in Winsboro, uh, Texas, in the Diocese of Tyler, And uh, we bless all of you who contributed and who prayed. Um, And if you plan a trip through Tyler, I invite you to visit us. It'll be a little while before we're set up, but but we're in the process. All we need to do really is we have a little construction to do, but basically uh, not build a monastery, just move in, unpack, and get to work and make this a monastery. We're very thrilled and very grateful for God's provision through all of you. Um, Not coincidentally, because nothing is coincidence with God, um, we uh, are on the chapter in the Catechism Explained of Divine Providence. And again, I've said so many, many times that nothing happens apart from our Lord's providence. Nothing happens to us whether we see it as good or bad, nothing happens that does not pass the providence um, and, and sovereignty of God. Whatever he allows, even if it's sin, even if it's destruction, he works together for good, not to everyone, but Romans chapter 8, to those who know him, who love him, and who are called according to his purpose. And so... Uh, We're on point three, which uh, reads, For this reason, a pious Christian should resign himself entirely to the will of God. I I just love it. I've said so many times, dear one, uh, dear ones, that the will of God is my food. And I've told the quote of St. Francis de Sales. I'll say it again. He said, if you want pure water, what difference is it to you if it's served to you in a golden chalice or a clay cup? What's the difference? You have what you want, which is pure water. And he says, if you want the will of God, what difference is it to you if it's served to you in consolation or in affliction? You have what you want, which is the will of God. And and the, the next statement I put together myself, but I didn't create it. It's scripture, it's church teaching, um, it's just how I put things together. How do you know you're in the will of God? Uh, 
And that is, the answer to that, is if you desire God's will above your own breath, above everything, then it's not that you'll have it one day, it's that you are in it. And God is preparing you for whatever it is. Well, how do I know that I'm in it? Circumstances don't look good. That's probably because you're in it. And he's preparing you perhaps through trials. Um, if you desire the will of God above your own breath um, uh, as your very food, it's impossible for you to have those desires if they're not from God. It's impossible. Your flesh will never desire that. And Satan will never desire that. It's only from God. They're good and holy desires. And you say, but what if God doesn't want what I want? Well, then you don't desire his will. You desire what you want. And if you ask me, um, uh, what do you want more than anything in the world? I will tell you uh, to love and honor God. But God's will is the answer. Well, Mother, if God's will were your will, what would you want? I'm not going to say anything. I'm a, I'm a stupid, finite, sinful thing. Why would I um, dare say what I want when what God wants is so much more perfect and better and holy? I, le I just, I'll sound like a broken record. I want God's will. What is it, Mother? I have no clue. I don't have to know. His will is perfect. And I only want to be in it. Well, how do you know you're in it? Because I want that more than my own breath. And I'm, I'm free. And so would you be, dear ones. Whatever it is you wish, God has made us for himself. He has made us for heaven. And if we don't trust him for that and to do what he wishes with that and want what he wishes with all our heart, um, we are poor. Then we are poor. If we truly trust God, well, how do you trust him, Mother? By believing that he is who he says he is. He's either God or he's not. It's easy. He's either God or he's not. And if he's God, nothing escapes him. And he loves you. And he died for you. And he rose to give you life. And he wants to bring you to heaven. Well, does he want what I want? I have no clue. And if... He wants what you want. It's because he gave you those desires. So have holy desires and entrust yourself to God who will do what is absolutely perfect in his, but I've been waiting for years in his time. What do you mean in his time? I've been waiting for 10 years in his time. In his time, I came into the Catholic Church and 14 years I wanted to be in a habit I wasn't sure I wanted to be a sister or a nun because I want to put my arms around the world, but I wanted to be assigned to him uh, in, in a, a religious habit. And yes, then I wanted to be a religious, and I, now I want nothing else. But you are mother, so you have no complaint. I waited 14 years. I said to God during those 14 years, there's nothing in my way, just a little sin, but nothing else. I'm free. I, I don't have anyone that I need to support. Uh, I don't owe money. I'm not, I'm, well, do something with me, God. Well, he did something with me. He had me wait 14 years. And he grew me up during those 14 years. And he's not finished growing me up. Uh, the same with you, beloved. It's all because of his love. Now I'm going to go back to Father Esparago in the Catechism Explained. 
Christ teaches us to pray, Thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. And St. Peter exhorts us to cast all our care upon God, for he cares for us, 1 Peter 5. David, King David, Holy David says, Though an army should stand in battle against me, my heart will not fear. And I would say that verse absolutely applies to Bishop Joseph Strickland here in Tyler, Texas. An army is in battle against him right now. One of the best bishops in the world. Um, And you know about the Vatican visitation. It's all over the news. We don't know the outcome. We don't know what will happen. People have said, well, what about you, Mother? If Bishop Strickland is put out of Tyler, what's going to happen to your community? I don't know. I don't know. It's well. Do we worry? No. We, I said before we're concerned, but we're moving forward with what God has done, and if it's His wisdom and love to change it, that's what we want. So um, I ask, do ask that you pray for Bishop Strickland because he has an awful lot on his plate right now, and um, uh, very few people, including myself, know the details of the visitation or its outcome. So um, pray for him. I beg you to do that. Father Sparago says we must not allow ourselves to be troubled about the arrangements of God's providence, which we cannot alter, but must resign ourselves to the will of God in sickness, loss of money, the death of those dear to us, persecution, war, etc., Above all, we must resign ourselves to the will of God in the hour of our death. St. Alphonsus says, He who dies resigned to the will of God leaves in the minds of others the knowledge that he has saved his soul. In order to gain the friendship of men, we adapt ourselves to their humors and fancies, but we take too little trouble to win the friendship of God by adapting ourselves to his holy will. The man who cheerfully resigns himself to the will of God obtains true peace of mind, attains great perfection, and will be blessed by God. The soul resigned to the will of God is like the needle pointing to the north. The soul that submits itself to all God's arrangements has already begun to live the life of heaven upon earth. I can tell you, dear ones, by my own experience, it's true. If trouble comes, its peace is not disturbed. Every trial is extinguished, like a spark that falls into the sea. It loves sufferings because it knows that they come from God's hand. A man resigned to God's will has his cross carried for him. Isn't that something, beloved? A man resigned to God's will has his cross carried for him. There's the music for our first break. We'll be right back after the break, dear ones. And after the second break, we'll take your calls and emails. The toll-free number is one 511 5483 And we'll be right back.
Atheists claim they don't need God to be a good person, implying God's not relevant to morality. But is this true? Well, atheists can be good in the sense of knowing behaviors that respect the goods of human nature and living accordingly. St. Paul acknowledges this natural moral law in Romans chapter 2. But this doesn't mean God is irrelevant when it comes to morality. And here's the reason. Besides God's grace being necessary to live the moral law perfectly and merit heaven, God is necessary for the law to be morally binding. How can the moral law be binding if there's no moral law giver behind it that surpasses human authority? The answer is, it can't. So, an atheist can follow the natural moral law, but only the theist is consistent in saying that such a law is morally obligatory. I'm Carlo Broussard with the ready reason for Catholic Answers, catholic.com. Are you looking for a simple, creative, and easy way to give to the Station of the Cross? Consider a transfer of stock to help us continue evangelizing our world over the airwaves, through mobile devices, and through our website. If you are being called by God to donate through a transfer of stock from your brokerage account to ours, please ask your broker to contact us at 1-877-888-6279. Your broker will need to indicate the number of shares being transferred as well as the QCIP number of those shares. That's 1-877-888-6279. Thank you for considering a gift of stock to the Station of the Cross so that we can continue proclaiming the fullness of truth with clarity and charity. Welcome to Mother Miriam Live on the Station of the Cross Catholic Radio Network with live video streaming brought to you by LifeSite News and the Station of the Cross. Call Mother with your questions at 1-877-511-5483 or email her at mother at thestationofthecross.com. Welcome back, beloved family. Uh, to Mother Miriam Live. I am live and uh, thrilled to be with you. We are reading about divine God's divine providence um, in the Catechism Explained. And the last sentence we read before the break is just amazing. A man resigned to God's will has his cross carried for him. He who renounces his own will in order to carry out the holy will of God soon attains to perfection. Thus, the resigning of our will to God's will is the most perfect offering we can make him. The man who is resigned is like a ship in the hands of the pilot. He is sure to arrive safely into port. A farmer whose fields bore better crops than those of others was asked the reason for it. He answered that he always got the weather that he wanted. When asked to explain himself, he replied, I'm always content with the weather that God sends. This pleases God, and so he blesses my crops. Our Lord in the Garden of Gethsemane is a beautiful example of submission to the will of God. Christ's prayer was, Father, not my will, but thine be done. He was obedient to his heavenly Father, even to death, the death of the cross, Philippians 2. 
the holy angels find their happiness in the fulfillment of the will of God. St. Mary Magdalene of Paisi said, I would bear with joy the heaviest troubles so soon as I knew that they were the will of God. So also said all the saints. Question. How are the misfortunes of the good and prosperity of the wicked to be reconciled with the providence of God? I'm going to repeat that question. How are the misfortunes of the good and the prosperity of the wicked to be reconciled with the providence of God? The answer is that these are only apparent, not real. Seneca says that the prosperity of those who are clad in purple is often like the splendor of the actor who is dressed up in royal purple. The sinner, after a time, loses all enjoyment from his sins. First, no sinner has true happiness, and no servant of God true misery. For true happiness is impossible without inner peace and contentment. And this is possessed by the true servant of God, but not by the sinner. The world, that is riches, honors, sensual pleasures, eating, drinking, etc., can never give us true peace. This can only be attained by following the teaching of Christ. True peace and happiness are the fruits of the Holy Spirit. The wicked have no peace. They are like the raging sea, which cannot rest, Isaiah says. Peace and happiness do not come of riches nor of a high position, nor of bodily strength, or of intellectual vigor. Still less do they come from the wearing of fine clothes, or from the enjoyment of rich feasts, but from the peace of soul and a good conscience. The beggar at the gate of the rich dives was a happier man, even in this world, than dives himself. Secondly, moreover, the good fortune of the sinner is for the most part only transitory. The prosperity of the wicked is like the cedar of Lebanon, which in a few hours is cut down and is no more seen. It is a building built on sand. The storms and winds soon lay it low. How quickly, how quickly Napoleon the Great fell from the height to which his vaulting ambition had raised him at the cost of so many lives. Thirdly, the real recompense of man only begins after death. Hence our Lord says, many that are first shall be last, and the last first, Matthew 19. Many rich and distinguished men will be far below those who have been beggars at their door. God has provided for his friends in the next life an enjoyment and happiness far surpassing any enjoyments on this earth. This is the explanation of the apparent injustice of the present life. Our Lord says to his disciples, Amen, amen, I say to you that you shall lament and weep, and the world shall rejoice, and you shall be made sorrowful, but your sorrow shall be turned to joy. John chapter 16. Sinners are rewarded on this earth for the little good that they have done. The just, on the other hand, are for the most part punished in this life 
for the evil they have done. Our Lord says, woe to you that are rich, for you have your consolation. That is, your reward for the good you have done is given you in this world. How is sin, another question, how is sin to be reconciled with the providence of God? First, it is not God who is responsible for sin and its consequences, but man's wrong use of his free will. God created man free and therefore does not hinder even those free actions which are evil. There are also many reasons why he should not hinder evil. If there were no evil in the world, man would have no opportunity of doing what is good. He would not have the choice between good and evil and would not be able to earn the reward of good accomplished. Compare the parable of the cockle among the wheat. God, says St. Augustine, God would never have permitted evil if he had not intended to bring some greater good out of it. Secondly, God in his wisdom employs even sin for a good end. The patriarch Joseph very truly said to his brethren, you thought evil against me, but God turned it into good. God turned to good. Even the treachery of Judas, it contributed to the work of man's redemption. The bee makes honey out of poisonous plants. The potter makes beautiful vessels out of dirty earth. God does something similar to this. Thirdly, besides, it does not become us to pry into the secret designs of God. We poor miserable creatures must adore his wisdom and submit ourselves humbly to what he ordains. You know what, dear ones, I just thought of the example of the ant in, in the uh, Proverbs. God speaks of the ant as a mighty people. He speaks of them as a people. They carry 20 times their weight. They are an example to us of diligence and hard work. And so when God says, or Father um, Sparago says, besides it does not become us to private pry into the secret designs of God, we poor miserable creatures must adore his wisdom and submit ourselves humbly to what he ordains. Can you imagine if the little ant who is more diligent than us, who is more persevering than us, I don't know his degree of intelligence, he's not made in the image of God, but um, if they submit themselves to what God ordains, how foolish they would be if they didn't submit themselves to us, we're so much greater. We could step on them. What is true of sin is true of all the suffering that is the consequence of sin. So maybe you're thinking now, Mother, we're under such suffering, the world, my family, my bishop, my priest, my parish, Christians, help the traditional mass, traditional Christianity. Well, wouldn't you know that the next chapter is titled The Christian Under Suffering. We've come to the right place. 
And it reads, man can suffer in body or soul or both. The apostles, when they were scourged, suffered in body. Judas, when he threw him, when he threw down the pieces of silver in the temple, suffered in his soul. Holy Job suffered in both. Suffering is either merited or unmerited. The sufferings of the prodigal son were merited. Those of the patriarch Joseph were unmerited. And yet all sufferings are merited by original sin. Number one, no one can attain to eternal salvation without suffering. Oy vey. no one can attain to eternal salvation without suffering. Paul says to 2 Timothy, no one is crowned unless he strive lawfully. Even Christ had to enter into his glory through suffering. Our Lord says, he that taketh not up his cross and followeth after me is not worthy of me. And his cross is always suffering. It's Christ's cross. And he gives each of us a cross. It's always, always suffering. The cross is always suffering, beloved. I've told the story before of a man that came to God and complained. His cross was just too big for him. He couldn't, he couldn't carry it. Could I exchange it? He said to our Lord for another one. And Jesus said, sure, of course. So he brought him into a huge, huge room. This is a story. A huge, huge room with nothing but four walls. And the walls were filled with crosses of all sizes. So the man went through the room and he picked out the smallest cross he could find. And he said to our Lord, could I have this one? And Jesus said to him, that is your cross. That's the one you gave me back. You see, God knows us, beloved. He will not give us more than we can bear, maybe by ourselves more than we can bear, but not with his grace. I'll repeat Matthew chapter 10, verse 38. Our Lord said, he that taketh not up his cross and followeth after me is not worthy of me. The road to heaven is a rough one. In order to make the flax that grows in the earth into pure white linen, it must be rubbed, stretched, and thoroughly cleansed and woven. The corn has to be threshed and winnowed. The pure gold has to pass through fire. Not to suffer is a sign that no future happiness is in store for you. Suffering and holiness are inseparably bound together. There is no good work that does not meet with obstacles, no virtue that does not have to fight and struggle. We'll stop there, um, beloved. Um, thank God in your suffering and for your suffering and trust him to work it together for good. If you love him, if you are called according to his purpose. If you don't love him, the suffering will be in vain. We'll be right back after the break, dear ones. Uh, call in with anything on your heart, toll free, 1-877-511-5483, and we'll be right back. 
This is Franciscan Media's Saint of the Day for July 3rd. Today we celebrate St. Thomas the Apostle. Also called Didymus, or the Twin, we know almost nothing about St. Thomas other than one remark on Easter evening that forever branded him as Doubting Thomas. But if Thomas doubted, he also believed. As recorded in John's Gospel, he made what is certainly the most explicit statement of faith in the New Testament, My Lord and my God. Thomas should equally be well known for his courage. He surely spoke with sincerity when he expressed his willingness to die with Jesus. Traditionally, he is said to have traveled outside the Roman Empire to preach the gospel. Some say he even reached India, preaching and converting and eventually suffering martyrdom there around the year 72. Thomas shares the lot of all the apostles in their weakness and lack of understanding. However, Christ did not pick worthless men. Holiness is a gift of God, not a human creation. It is given to ordinary men and women with weaknesses. It is God who gradually transforms the weaknesses into the image of Christ, the courageous, trusting, and loving one. There's more about the saints along with inspiration and Catholic resources at our website, saintoftheday.org. From Franciscan Media, this has been Saint of the Day. I didn't take my faith seriously, which which probably means I, I never really got it to begin with. No, I didn't want to give up sin. I mean, the reason we sin is because sin is fun. But it's, it's self-love sin. But it's amazing with God's grace how easy trying to not sin it really is. If you've been away from the Catholic Church for whatever reason, we invite you to take another look. Visit catholicscomehome.org today. Welcome to Mother Miriam Live on the Station of the Cross Catholic Radio Network with live video streaming brought to you by LifeSite News and the Station of the Cross. Call Mother with your questions at 1-877-511-5483 or email her at mother at thestationofthecross.com. Welcome back, beloved family, to Mother Miriam Live. I am she. We are live today, and this is our half hour. Feel free, dear ones, to call in with anything whatsoever on your heart. I don't have all the answers always, but um, we can look them up or we can uh, refer you to those who would have the answers. The toll free number, again, you may call in anonymously. Again, any or you can email anonymously with or without your name, not an issue. Uh, the toll free number one eight seven seven five one one five four eight three or email at mother at the station of the cross dot com. We have an email from somebody who writes it anonymously <clears throat> and writes, I am told that on All Souls Day, if we make six visits to six churches and say designated prayers, the souls in purgatory for whom we pray go straight to heaven. Do you know if this is legitimate church teaching? I'm surprised I was unaware of this for so long. I'll tell you, my dear brother or sister, whoever wrote this in, I am often surprised by things I learned that I had not known of previously. There's a wonderful website um, that uh, has true church teaching on all the holy days, and it's called Fish Eaters. I, I, I laugh at that name. It's adorable. One word, Fish 
eaters.com. And uh, this website on um, All uh, Souls Day says this, between noon of November 1 and midnight, um, a person who has been to confession and communion can gain, can, can gain a plenary indulgence under the usual conditions for the poor souls each time he visits a church, each time he visits a church or public oratory and recites the Our Father, the Hail Mary, and the Glory Be to the Father six times. So there's where the six comes in. Let me repeat that. And, you know, a plenary, plenary means full, P-L-E-N-A-R-Y, means full indulgence as opposed to a partial indulgence. And the person in purgatory that you are praying that for, that you are uh, hoping, uh, giving that indulgence for, yes, will be released from purgatory and go to heaven. Let me reread that. Between noon of November 1st and midnight, a person who has been to confession and communion can gain a plenary indulgence under the usual conditions for the poor souls each time he visits a church or public oratory and recites, now not just six churches, but each time he visits 12 churches, he will gain the plenary indulgence for those he has uh, prayed them for in purgatory. Um, If he recites the Our Father, the Hail Mary, and the Glory Be to the Father six times, this is a special exception to the ordinary law of the church, according to which a plenary indulgence for the same work can be gained only once a day. Because of this, some of the customs um, may be begun on All Saints Day. So um, here is also some of the customs. The faithful who during the period of eight days from All Saints Day, visit eight days, beloved. So from All Saints Day, um, visit a cemetery and pray for the dead, may gain a plenary indulgence under the usual conditions on each day of the octave applicable only to the dead. Um, And then it gives an invocation for the dead called the eternal rest prayer, eternal rest grant unto uh, him, her, or them, O Lord, and let perpetual light shine upon them. May he or she or them rest in peace. Amen. Um, Catholics also pray this prayer for the dead anytime throughout the year and whenever they pass a cemetery. Many families pray a rosary nightly for the dead throughout the octave of all saints, replacing the Fatima prayer with the eternal rest prayer. Um, Now, it says, can gain an indulgence under the usual conditions. Um, That's very, very important. Um, An indulgence is, I'm reading a definition here from our catechism, the new catechism, uh, number 1471. An indulgence is a remission before God of the temporal punishment due to sins whose guilt has already been forgiven. You see, beloved, purgatory is not a second chance. Purgatory is for saved, repentant sinners who yet have um, temporal sins for which to atone. Um, 
So let me read that again. An indulgence is a remission before God of the temporal punishment due to sins whose guilt has already been forgiven, which the faithful Christian who is duly disposed gains under certain prescribed conditions through the action of the church, which as the minister of redemption dispenses and applies with authority the treasury of the satisfactions of Christ and the saints. And I'll just read what indulgences are not and not do the whole program on indulgences. Um, They are not permission to commit sins in the future. They are not get out of hell free cards. They are not the forgiveness of the guilt of sin. They have nothing to do with eternal salvation. They are only for the temporal effects, the guilt of sin, totally paid for by Christ on the cross. We cannot pay that. They are only for the temporal effects of sins that have already been forgiven through penance or a perfect act of contrition, if that would be possible. Okay. Um, So again, I'll I'll leave it there and not go into a whole program on um, uh, eternal and temporal effects of sin. You're certainly welcome to call in, dear ones, if you wish um, um, me to go further on that. We have a call from Emily in Massachusetts. Hi, Emily. Hi, Mother. How are you? Good morning. I'm wonderful. Good morning, dear. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you for taking my call. Love your program. Sure. This is my Thank first you. time calling. But I welcome, have, a, I welcome. have um, uh, a question that um, has been, I'm getting conflicting answers, and so I wanted to see what your thoughts were. This, this is the situation. I'm Catholic. My husband's Catholic. We're, we're being invited to weddings of cousins and nieces, friends, um, and they're all Catholic. The people getting, the young adults getting married are Catholic, but they're getting married um, without a priest in like, you know, in a museum or in a garden. And um, there's uh, their minister, quote, I'm using air quotes here, um, are the, the, I guess there's this thing where you can become a minister for the day and do a wedding ceremony, or maybe you're, maybe you're actually becoming a justice of the peace for a day. But anyway, there's no God, no priest, nothing. And I don't feel comfortable going to these um, types of weddings. But if you don't go, um, you're considered to be a bad person. So what's your opinion on this? Well, Jesus was considered to be a bad person. He was called all kinds of names because he's truth himself. So, no, no, forget what people consider you. Uh, If you attend the wedding of so-called Catholic people, um, there's no, uh, you're not doing, that's not an act of love. Um, because you are affirming them in their sin, and you say they're Catholic, it sounds to me that they're Catholic in name only. Maybe they were baptized, but they're fallen away. What Catholic on earth, what true Catholic, would want to get married outside of the Catholic Church? It's the place of heaven on earth, a park, a museum, uh, the most glorious uh, uh, nature situation could never be as heavenly as a catholic church and being in the very presence of god and receiving him in the eucharist so they say they're catholic but they're catholic in name and if we go to such a wedding we are affirming them in their sin 
because they will not be married in the eyes of God and they will be living in fornication. They will be, it might be a legal licit marriage in the sight of the government, but they're getting married outside of the will of God. I would never attend such a wedding. And if I knew them and cared for them at all, I would do everything I could to speak to them or send the truth to them prior to their wedding, even if it cuts them off from me. I would well, speak the truth. I, I agree with you, but here's, here's the rub, though. I asked a priest this this weekend, and he said, you're not committing the sin. They're committing the sin, so you can go. This didn't sit right with me. I, that's why I'm calling you. Not that you're above the priest, but I just wanted another opinion um, because I'm I not, still don't feel right. No, good for you. I'm not above the priest, but the priest is not above God. And you don't go and so he agreed that they're in sin. Why should you go and celebrate sin? Why should you go and support people in their sin? Shame on that priest. I'm not above a priest, but he's not above the church. You do not celebrate people's sin. Then you would be sinning yourself. How could you do that? You would be joy. You'd be a party to their sin and you would be in sin. Absolutely not. Emily, you've got a good conscience. Live by it. Live by yeah. it, sweetheart. I, I will. I, my heart tells me what you said is correct. That's why I called you today, because yeah, I wasn't I, satisfied with that answer. Yeah. Uh, shame on that priest. Shame on all priests who either are ignorant of God's holy law, which is almost impossible for me, because if they're ignorant, they should at least have a conscience that's formed like yours, Emily. It, it astounds me that priests would lead people into sin. They're going to be accountable for that. I know. Do you think it's one of those deals where I don't want you to be, you know, in trouble with your family or cause family problems? I, I, I well, do think he's, he's coming from that angle. Well, then he's in sin because we, and he's telling you to sin. We, how do we put people before God and what is holy and what is sinful. Be in trouble with your family. Jesus said, I came to separate mother and father and brother and sister and all that. You have to put God first. And if you don't, yes, you may be in trouble with your family, but what, it has, what does that have to do with love for God? Now, and you know, and by, by doing the right thing, you might even, like a light bulb might go off on their head saying, wait a minute. Maybe auntie is right, you know, so that's right. That's right. And you are giving a witness to others who probably thought their marriage situation was wrong and to go was wrong, but they kept quiet about it. And you're brave and it, it will probably touch a lot of consciences and hopefully they'll respond to the good in their consciences. Um, uh, you'll be a good witness. So bless you, Emily. But never be afraid to tell people why. No, I, I, I won't. I, I really won't. And thank you so much for because you've just um, validated what was in my Good. heart. Good, sweetheart. Good. Okay, Emily, I'm so glad you called in. God bless you. Thank you. Okay. We have a, an email from Joseph who says, Hello, Mother. I was wondering if you're familiar with the company named Black Rock and the many nefarious things that are supposedly, uh, they are supposedly up to. Could you please give us your thoughts? I had to look this one up, Joseph. Uh, BlackRock is a globally, uh, a global asset manager 
and technology provider. That's their official definition. There's so much on them. Um, it would take uh, it would take an awful lot. Um, I'll say in some, I, I've got a few websites here on them, but before the break, I'll say in some, apparently they just lost $4 billion. They have invested in every major company that's part of this great reset, and um, they are about nothing good. They are uh, they're worth trillions of dollars, and that's how they could lose $4 billion. Um, and I would have nothing to do with BlackRock uh, as an investment uh, asset manager, uh, I would stay away from them. And again, look them up on the web. There's so many. Uh, Axios, AXIOS.com. There's a good website called corporateaccountability.org, and it'll give you all the information you need on BlackRock. We'll be right back, beloved, after the break. Hello, beloved. This is Mother Miriam. Would you like to wake up each morning to inspiring sermons from knowledgeable and faith-filled priests? You can tune in to Sermons for Everyday Living every day at 6 a.m. Eastern on the Station of the Cross. You can listen on thestationofthecross.com or anytime on the free iCatholic Radio mobile app. God bless you. As part of our efforts to teach the beauty of our faith, we're broadcasting a special educational lesson every Wednesday called Lessons in Latin. I'm Canon Bourgeois, a priest of the Institute of Christ the King, Sovereign Priest. These mini teachings break down the history of the various parts of the Holy Mass. You can hear Lessons in Latin on Wednesdays at approximately 5.15 a.m., 3.45 p.m., and 9.40 p.m. Eastern Time. That's Lessons in Latin Wednesdays at 5.15 a.m., 3.45 p.m., and 9.40 p.m. on the Station of the Cross Catholic Media Network. I'm Jim Havens, host of The Simple Truth, heard weekdays at 4 p.m. Eastern on the Station of the Cross Catholic Media Network. It raises the question, I think, for a convert like me or for a cradle Catholic is, why are we seeing the human leadership of the Catholic Church steer the Church in a direction that doesn't seem consistent with Catholicism of the last 1900 years? That's The Simple Truth, weekdays at 4 p.m. Eastern on the Station of the Cross. The Station of the Cross Catholic Media Network is dedicated to answering the critical need of access to quality, consistent, professional, and proven Catholic programming. We cannot rely on other media outlets to properly represent our church. Catholic Radio reaches Catholics, non-Catholic Christians, and non-believers alike. As a nonprofit lay organization financially independent of your diocese, our apostolate is listener-supported. Welcome to Mother Miriam Live on the Station of the Cross Catholic Radio Network with live video streaming brought to you by LifeSite News and the Station of the Cross. Call Mother with your questions at 1-877-511-5483 or email her at mother at thestationofthecross.com. Welcome back, dear ones, to Mother Miriam Live. This is our last segment, and we have 10 minutes. Our lines are wide open. You are welcome to call in um, with anything whatsoever on your heart. Toll-free 1-877-511-5483 or email at mother at thestationofthecross.com. We have an email from Maria, and Maria writes, Mother 
Do you know if the early church fathers talked about abortion or is this just a modern day issue? Oh, dear Maria, um, abortion has been talked about not just by the early church fathers, but throughout the entire Old Testament. Um, abortion has always been considered um, as murder. Um, uh, Christian writers, now Catholic Answers, has a wonderful article on this. Um, and um, it says, as the early Christian writer Tertullian pointed out, the law of Moses ordered strict penalties for causing an abortion. And quote from Exodus, if men who are fighting hit a pregnant woman and she gives birth prematurely, um, and in the Hebrew, the translation is so that her child comes out, but there is no serious injury, the offender must be fined whatever the woman's husband demands and the court allows. But if there is serious injury, you are to take life for life, eye for eye, tooth for tooth, hand for hand, foot for foot. I tell you, beloved, if every abortionist who killed a child was killed on the spot, abortion would be done away with. And this applies to the law of retribution to abortion. Um, the just punishment for an injury, that is eye for eye, tooth for tooth, and so forth, um, um, it, it, it's, it's the lives of the offender's family. You, take, you, you kill someone, your life is taken. Um, let me just see. Um, there's so much here, I don't want to read it all. Because they, like older children, have souls, little babies. From the moment of creation, it's a person. From the moment of conception, from the moment of conception, um, our Blessed Mother was given this singular grace of the stain of a original sin being moved, removed from her in her mother, St. Anne, at the moment of conception. So Mary was born without original sin. It was a singular grace. No one else in history has been cleansed of original sin at the very moment of conception. Mary, not a seed, not a fetus, not a zygote, whatever it is. It Mary, a person at the moment of conception, was cleansed from the stain of original sin. You are a person at the moment of conception. You haven't developed everything yet, but you are a person with a body and a soul. Um, let me just see if I could read any more. So, yes. Um, um, here David says in Psalm 51, when he committed adultery with Bathsheba, um, um, David says, I was sinful at birth, sinful from the time my mother conceived me, because his mother conceived him in sin. There's no soul from Adam and Eve on that was not conceived with original sin. And our blessed mother was the only one who was freed from that at the moment of her conception in St. Anne's womb. Um, since sinfulness is a spiritual rather than a physical condition, David must have had a spiritual nature from the time of conception, and he surely did. Um, so yes, um, early church fathers, dear one, right up to Evangelium uh, Vitae by Pope Paul John II, um, uh, ab abortion, 
the church's teaching on abortion is unchanged and unchangeable. Um, abortion is um, here. Let me let me read from John Paul II, and then I'll take our next email or question. Um, Pope John Paul II declared that the church's teaching on abortion is unchanged and unchangeable. Therefore, by the authority which Christ conferred upon Peter and his successors, I, John Paul II, now Saint John Paul II said, I declare that direct abortion, that is, abortion willed as an end or as a means, always constitutes a grave moral disorder, since it is the deliberate killing of an innocent human being. This doctrine is based upon the natural law and upon the written word of God, is transmitted by the church's tradition and taught by the ordinary and universal magisterium. No circumstance, no purpose, no law whatsoever can ever make licit an act which is intrinsically illicit, since it is contrary to the law of God which is written in every human heart, knowable by reason itself, and proclaimed by the church. That's Evangelium Vitae 62. And the early church fathers agreed. There's, uh, there, if you go to catholic.com, Joseph, there are quotes from the Didache, written by the two apostles, the letter of Barnabas, the apocalypse of Peter, um, Athenagoras, uh, Tertullian, um, Minucius, Felix, I don't know some of these men, um, Hippolytus, um, uh, rather Hippolytus, Council of this, it's Basil the Great, John Chrysostom, Jerome, uh, Apostolic Constitutions, uh, go to catholic.com and you'll see an entire list of quotes from the early church fathers. Um, and that was from Maria, not Joseph, sorry, Maria. So absolutely, how could it be a modern-day issue? God is the creator of life from beginning to end. We have um, an email also from someone who writes in Anonymous and says, I've heard multiple people talk about the Catholic charismatic renewal. Can you please explain to me what this is and how it came about? If I personally spoke on that, uh, and my own experiences and, and observations, I, I'd be here all day. We have uh, less than two minutes left to the program. Let me see if I can, um, hold on a minute. No, let me see, hold on a minute. If I can, um, no, I, it's, it's in the Catholic Encyclopedia, and I think if I read that, that would be the, the easiest and the clearest um, definition, but I don't know what I did with it. I had brought it up. Um, oh, hold on now. I'm so sorry. I don't know what happened to it, but um, we will come back because we won't have enough time right now. Um, to look that up. I'm going to look it up from the Catholic um, uh, Encyclopedia because that will give, uh, here it is, the origin of the Catholic charismatic movement. Um, hold on a minute. 
I wish I could come to the encyclopedia because the Catholic encyclopedia would be um, a little more general than some individual responses. Um, so I, I can't. I promise you, um, God willing, uh, we will take it up uh, the next time. First thing, the first question. And I, there's so, if you just type in origin of the Catholic charismatic movement, there's so much. I've had some um, uh, good and some quite um, negative experiences of what is so-called uh, the Catholic charismatic movement. But it is real, and I will give you the origins of it next time we're together. Um, have a beautiful July 4th, beloved, and I'll be with you on Wednesday. God bless you.